Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And welcome to Going Off Track. And I'm glad to be here. I'm Jonah. I'm Brad. And we're in Brad's beautiful apartment. Um, this is the first time I've been over here and Brad hasn't mentioned how this is the real Lower East Side, <laughs> which normally he says about six times. I'm hoping that you you stopped and got a CoStar's Bialy, dude. I did. That that may be the only place that you can get a Bialy. Okay? And, and let me so tell you something. I've, I've lived in New York side. for 10 years and never gotten a Bialy before. So this maybe is the real Lower East Side. Hell yeah, baby. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we're at Brad's place. It's super relaxing. I'm sitting in a very comfortable chair, um, looking at the skyline in New York. Uh, this is just the way that I do it I'm now. Feeling good. It's like yeah. I didn't make. You know, we're recording now at Pulse Music. Pulse Music, which is la- the last podcast was done there. This one was done there. I want to hold on. I want to. I want to take a time out. I want to explain that. Yeah. So we've been doing the podcast at Pulse Music. We record the intro separately at Brad's apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? It's obvious. Why? So I, I don't have to leave. Yeah, why? I don't know. Because I haven't made it to Pulse for these. Brett, you've been to some of them. I've been to half of them, but neither yeah. one of the first two. Yeah, but so... It wasn't at this one. So yeah, so this is at Brad's, but but the actual podcast today was done with Stephen Grawalski at Pulse Music. Awesome studio. Shout out to him. But it does just seem like I'm just sitting here waiting for people to come to me. Yeah, it's kind of a like a kind of a power move. <laughs> Because I'm like, Brad, we got to do intros. We're going to do them at Pulse. And he's like, no, I'll do them at my place. Yeah, come t- come bring me a Bialy. Yeah, I did. It's, it's actually great. What else would I be doing? It's a beautiful Friday. I mean, the first time we did intros here, we drank beers. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Um, speaking of fun, <laughs> uh, you know what I'm looking forward to, Brad? Having some fun. Having some fun. With In the, the sun. With the band that, that the Goops <laughs> toured with, Sam I Am. Uh, just want to give them a little plug. Uh, legendary Berkeley band. They're going to be hitting some spots outside the Jersey and Philly areas in June. Uh, so come out to that. June 9th, Garwood, New Jersey, at Crossroads. Tickets available at Ticketfly. Ticketfly, please email me back. I've been emailing you. Uh, <laughs> June 10th, uh, they're headlining... Is the Ticketfly Nish- listening? <laughs> yeah, Ticketfly loves this podcast. <laughs> they're headlining... I bought tickets for Riot Fest, then realized one of my really good friends is getting married that weekend, and the tickets are like non-transferable, and it was very expensive. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out something else. Uh, June 10th, uh, Sam Am's headlining the Nishamani Creek Brewery Company's five-year anniversary party. Free show, June 10th, in the Mecca of Croydon, Pennsylvania. And they're heading to Europe in July. So check out their Facebook page for dates at Sam I Am Fancy. My favorite Sam I Am record. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, I do like Clumsy. 
That's that's a good one. I mean, that's what we toured at. That's just yeah. sticks with me. Yeah, too much. I mean, Estray has has some serious jams on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I don't. What there was a record. You are freaking me out. It was the one I think. Uh, yeah, that's in between a- that one is is really good. I like that Billy. The early stuff is good. Yeah. I haven't listened to much new stuff since Clumsy, except they had the record that came out like maybe like four years ago. Trips. They had this one, Trips. I think that, that was, came out like really, four or five like, years ago. I listened to that; it was really, really good. Yeah, they're a great band. We're gonna get those guys on here for sure. We got to get Sergi on. Yeah, and Jason. Yeah, we'll get those guys on. Um, but today on the podcast, more importantly, we have Stephen Steven. Steven Stevens? Steven, no, 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 no. <laughs> Steve Stevens? We have the Ste- guitar player? Steven Steven. <laughs> it's a band uh, composed of Steve Burns, uh, who you may know is the former host of the children's show Blues Clues, and Steven Drozd, uh, who's the multi-instrumentalist in the Flaming Lips. And uh, they have a band, uh, they worked together on Steve Burns' debut album, Songs for Dust Mites, in 2003. And then... Uh, they sort of got together, you know, more recently and started this this project, which is music for um, educational music for kids. Um, and we had them come by to talk about the record right before their first show. They're playing a Brooklyn Bowl and they have a record called um, Foreverware. I believe that you can check it out on Bandcamp. It's out. Yeah, Foreverware. Foreverware. It's out now. And yeah, this was cool. <laughs> I mean, we talked to what it was like hosting Blues Clues, about Steve's uh, death hoax. I talked to Stephen Draws about uh, seeing the Flaming Lips open for Candlebox when I was a teenager. Whew. We hit on a lot of different stuff. But yeah, these guys are both super interesting, very accomplished people. And uh, yeah, check out the Steven Steven records. And let's get in this podcast with Steve Burns from Blues Clues and Stephen Draws from The Flaming Lips. Steven Steven. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm mildly have to pee, but I'm going to use that to keep me awake. Like Walter Winchell? Like the Native Americans of old, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's how they would wake up for battle. They would drink a bunch of water, go to bed at whatever time, knowing that it would wake them up. Having to pee would wake them up before dawn. And they would get up and... Now the screaming makes sense. There you go. Alleged, that's, that's a real thing. I've heard about that. Yeah. That's they use that as a tool for waking up. I actually go through a similar thing every night, which is interesting. And you just pee the bed. Well, no, not anymore. <laughs> I did. I had a couple pee in the bed phases. Thanks for like recently. Well, I well, no. Thank you. I did have an odd older one. Like it happened again, older than you're supposed to. Like what? Like ten or something? Yeah, like going yeah. into like your tens, elevens, like middle school. It started again. It's not uncommon. Out of out of nowhere. Yeah, it's I not listened uncommon. to a podcast Very about this recently, and the guys were saying the worst part was sleepover parties. Oh my god, by far. Yeah. Question. I have, by far the I worst. I peed the bed till I was eight. Can we change the subject? Because yeah. <laughs> you have to go that bad. Yeah, it sounds kind of like oh, this. Right. Yeah. Those are great glasses. Thanks, man. Steven. Now, as are you got? Do you? I always want to ask. Do you? Do you do? Do you like the full Steven? Do you go for the Steve? Do you like these? Both, both prefer Steven, but I am forever Steve because I was Steve. Yeah, and yeah. he's Steven, so it's just easier. Yeah, only three people have called me Steve in my life. Okay, so and, and how did that start? Them calling me Steve, or just or you? Did you? Just, I just from the never onset, felt Steven. like I've just never been. I've never felt like a Steve. Yeah, yeah. I've always preferred Steven, but everyone's always never, called me. It Steve. always felt like that's not really my name. Yeah, like if, like if you were a, 
you know, a, a Robert and someone called you Bob or Rob, you would be like, well, I actually prefer to be called Robert. It's like, you know. Do you find that when you tell people, I feel, please call me Steven, that you feel like you're being the dick then? Yeah, oh, yeah. It, oh, they look at me like I'm an asshole. So, yeah. Or I, I shouldn't say that. Uh, no, that's um, okay. Oh, that's fair. But uh, Bob Poller from uh, Guy by Voices calls mm-hmm. me Steve. Wow. Uh, Richard Davies from The Moles calls me Steve. Okay. Uh, and Isaac Brock, sarcastically, uh, from Modest Mouse, Steve, calls me Steve calls sometimes, Steve. yeah, because he knows it bothers me, so. Steve. Anybody from high school, from, like, college down calls me Steve, but anyone else, it's Steven, and it always yeah. trips my wife up when they show up, and they're like, Steve, and she's like, mm, Yeah, I was never, like, like in high school, no one ever called me Steve, it was always Steven, so. I prefer Steven, too. Yeah. Double you, the syllable. How did you two Stevens meet? Uh... Any, Way uh, back Steve in the midst yeah. of the oh, fall of 2001. You were at the Steve convention yeah. as well? Was, well, I was at the Stephen convention. <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah. See, it was before high school for the me. The opposing so Steve convention on the other side. <laughs> yeah. See, I do imagine like the Stephen convention with like crushed velvet, like a certain regality to the Stephen <laughs> one, and then I imagine the Steve one with like... Sawdust. Yeah, no, it's just kind of like belts. the Miller Light. Yeah, yeah, like braided belts. The I'm thinking the nunchucks thing. guy from Ghost World. He's like a Steve, you know. Yeah, mm. maybe some Ed Hardy shirts sure over the... there. I don't know. Either a weightlifter or a gay hairdresser. But Steve, but <laughs> no, Steven come is, on. I know. Stephen is your first name, though, right? For both of you. Yeah, he's Stephen Michael Burns. I'm Stephen Gregory Droz. So we both have kind of Catholic Stephen names. See, I'm a bit of a poser then because my first name is Jeffrey, but my go by Stephen and have since birth, which no is. Shit. You have no claim. No or, claim. Or, yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> to <I'm> any <laughs> preference. At is all. he is he automatically exempt? From, do you feel like he's sold out the name because he willingly went against it? I don't think willingly, he's selling it. I think did. he's trying to co opt oh. it. And my mother allegedly said it's because she dated a guy whose middle name was steven and she thought that was cool and kind of didn't give my dad the option oh so in a wow. way that's kind of cool that's pretty Ooh, weird actually kind of weird yeah that's <laughs> yeah, weird it seems like the whole thing's founded on a negative kind of impulse yeah. but yeah that's kind of like okay though wait i think you just defined my family <laughs> yeah hey, be, be our business card wait i do want to hear about that little sweet no no? Okay. <laughs> All right. That's fine. We got other Stevens here, man. We got things to do. Jonah, do you ever get called Steven? Never. <laughs> just, never. Just does it happen? Never. It's, it's never happened. Not once. Not once. I don't believe that. Not for a second. <laughs> that even Did you guys, I, I saw that you actually uh, retweeted it, but the Colbert segment. Well, he tweeted. I, oh, I did. Yeah, I retweeted it. Yeah, about like we need more good Stevens. Yeah, Stephen from Stephen Bannon and Stephen Miller and company. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That. And I thought I had. I thought I had a running chance of being included because he's. He mentioned Blues Clues a couple times on Colbert Report. <gasps> oh, so I was like, oh, what's going to happen? It's going to happen. Damn, <laughs> so close. How cool would it be if Colbert mentioned included me in one of the good Steves? That would have been so great. <laughs> yeah, completely. I, totally yeah. overlooked. Well, maybe nah. in good no, Stephen don't, news don't, for you don't, guys. Don't give up yet, man. Yeah. I mean, he's a big Lips fan. I'll be there next week. I'll tell him right. about the good Stephen. Uh, are you going to be on next week? We can't announce it yet, but we're on Thursday of next week. So, yeah. Right on. Lips are we on a podcast right now? Didn't you just announce it? No, this, this won't is be a lot. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Or ever. It will have happened by then. Yeah, we I mean, can't announce it till the, the day before, I think. So, we're playing a really? Cobra on Thursday. So That'll be super yeah. fun. And you know what's great about him? Because he always does like skits with Wayne and stuff, and they're like buddies. But every time we've done anything with him, at some point he comes over really quick and goes, Hey, Steven, how you doing, buddy? I'm like, great. He's like, okay, I'll see you later. 
<laughs> he does that every time I see him. We did the Kolb Cella thing on the the crazy boat a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. His little mini festival that he did. He was running around doing like a million things. And at some point, I was like sitting in this little director's chair thing, just kind of watching all the insanity. And he came over. He's like, "Hey, Stephen, how you doing?" I'm like, "Pretty good." He's like, "Okay, good. I'm busy. Good to see, you, man." I'm like, ah, oh, what a nice guy. You know, he's such a uh, guy. I bumped into him literally while I was buying hiking boots in New Jersey. Where in New Jersey? Rutherford, does that sound right? Mm, sounds sure right. does. Yeah, and uh, I was buying hiking boots, and I bumped into him. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Gore-Tex? Went, Gore-Tex? My hero. <laughs> that was it. That was it. He's a hero, man. <laughs> what? How much have you wanted to say something? Like, what? I never know what to do in situations like that. Like, there are very few situations where I run into somebody that I admire, I know who they are, and I actually want to be like... I you feel like I like, have something important enough to say to spark a conversation. Like, you run into like Springsteen, like for real. I actually like it's separate. That guy like got introduced to me. It's a totally oh, different okay. story. Uh, so like mm-hmm. I had a right to it. Uh, got I'm it. talking about like I saw Sasha Cohen randomly in Hawaii oh, wow. with his family. I would, I would, be, I would. And he was uh, at this little bow, like yeah. banana mm-hmm. stand. He was with his kids. He's doing this thing. I was like, you know what? Like fuck it, I don't, I don't have anything to say to this guy. Not anything real or important, and let him go on with his. Yeah, dude, I'm with you, man. That's the time I, not I, to say something. I totally right. agree. I'm absolutely with you. So what's the time yeah. to say something? Like when they're in a working capacity, yeah, like I think at so. their working venue. And if, there, or, if there's some way that you can naturally affiliate, Bjork spilled a beer on me in Reykjavik. <gasps> Holy yeah. shit! You we have that in common. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was with my friend Gumi Thor in Reykjavik, <laughs> and she spilled a beer on me. And uh, I, uh, I had every reason to talk to her. We had actually even heard that her kid was a Blues Clues fan, and I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I had every reason to go talk to her, like like you were saying. Like I had every excuse and reason. Maybe she even pulled <laughs> that like eighties movie thing where she intentionally spilled no, the beer. No, she on was you to start she was like a strange little whirling dervish. Like, oh as you can God, imagine. excuse me. I mean, you're like so I thought I, I thought I was looking at a homeless person, but it was actually a Bjork. It was weird. <laughs> I was I was just truly very starstruck at that moment. And I don't usually get starstruck. Is she just followed by like light no. in Iceland? I imagine her just like <laughs> it was very not a big deal, and it was not a very big club, or hmm. it was not glamorous at all. That's cool. You remember something crazy? The exact same thing happened to me here in New York. <laughs> Bjork drunkenly fell on me. Really? Yeah. I and think it, Bjork. I think it's time to uh, we need stage an intervention. And it, and it, She's really small. It probably doesn't take much. It was at a. It was at a small. Yeah. Stop. Stop. What? I had one. No, you. My you name guys, is no, Bjork, and I am she, for having she to would, be drinking. She would kick all of our asses at the same time. Yeah, yeah without without Rob. Rob Hayden uh, tormented her for She's two years. Like, do right. not mess with her. Really? Tough reputation. Yeah. I love her shows, man. Yeah. She's, I've seen her a bunch. She's so phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, That's man. Cool. I couldn't talk to her. I was just like, oh. Yeah. No. I mean, how do you guys sort of deal? Because I imagine both of you kind of get recognized pretty regularly. No one recognizes me. Really? Kidding me? I look more like Paul Schaefer than I do like Steve from Blue's Clues. <laughs> I heard you get Moby from time to time. Uh, sometimes I'm really skinny. Like sometimes I work out a lot and I get oh. really in shape. And so then, in like a good month, you get a Moby? Yeah, I do. I do actually. <laughs> that happens more. People think I'm the dude from the bass player from OK Go. I get that. Oh. I get, I've never gotten Paul Schaefer, but I feel like I'm, I'm on my way. Speaking of a guy, I pissed next to Paul Schaefer once. Really? How was <laughs> that? Do I look like him? You guys go fabulous. pee together. You're, you're fabulous. You're great. <laughs> you're fabulous. I love the way you pee. It's fabulous. You're great. <laughs> Does he play along like when you're playing on the show? He has before, not every time. But okay. The first time the lips were on uh, 
Letterman was like uh, 95 when we did She Don't Use Jelly, that song. And Schaefer wanted to play. And people were like, you can't play. I'm like, no, he's going to play with He's going to play with the Flaming Lips. He's going to this hokey keyboard organ part. I'm like, yes. Oh, he's like, he's like you guys right? are, man, you're fantastic. I love it. I love the whole chord change. like, yeah, it's D to C to G, whatever, you know. <laughs> and then 10 years later on, again, we play whatever we played. Do you realize? Like, you guys are fabulous. I love you. I love what you do. You guys are going to go to town. And then we've done it like five times since then. He says the same exact thing every time. <laughs> he's, you he's guys like, are fabulous. I love you. He's apparently the first person to uh, accidentally say fuck on TV. One of the first people, like he said it on SNL years and years ago. Oops. Really? And just like just one of those random little yeah. things where he was yeah, hosting. Was he used it? to be the band leader, I think. He was, yeah. He, I think did. it was Howard Shore than him, I think. Yeah, and then he also did the bit where Bill Murray was the lounge singer. Was always yeah. Paul Schaefer was the piano player. Oh. Bill Murray was the lounge singer. So and he's already fucking. What's that? And he's already fucking. I know, yeah, he's, right? he's already fucking. <laughs> yeah. right. Mike's sort of personally offended by the fact that you can't say the word fuck on TV. You, it actually bothers me. Now, like, now, now it just spe- depends on the channel you're watching. Because it's spe- it depends. You know, you know what it is. It's like when I'm flipping around, right? And I'll go three channels in a row from. Like, let's say a reality show about plastic surgery where I'm literally watching like a human body get mutilated Mm -hmm. and not even for like a good reason. Talking botched. You watch botched. I don't. I'm talking. I'm talking flipping. I don't watch. Okay. I'm in a flipping capacity Mm -hmm. for this hypothetical. And then like the next one, you know, we'll see like Rambo. You know, I'm just watching like people get their brains brains blown out mm-hmm. from point blank range and things like that. Their blains blown out. Their yeah. blains yeah. blown out. That's David Blaine's next bit. He's going to have a blaine. <laughs> blains blown out. Like, and then the next but it's blowing out. I'll yeah. see something really, really innocent and the word like, you know, dick or <laughs> shit or just something really, really simple being, what, what is that double standard? Where did Wait, that come from? What is the show we're doing That's here? America. What is this podcast, guys? Oh, it's called it's Going, called off, going track. off Track. Okay. But there you go. I was <laughs> actually curious Excellent. about, um, <laughs> Where do you live? I live in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma live, City, Oklahoma. You live in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you guys mostly do the Pro Tools? It's about time I came up here to work with him. He came yeah. to Oklahoma City like <laughs> yeah. 10 times. Yeah, he there's a lot, of, you know, but there's a lot of really cute girls in Oklahoma City. Really? Midwest. That's really why he came there. That's, mm. well, I was actually part of it at one point. Yeah. But uh, yeah, what I, really, I mean, Steven's got a family and like, I'm like... I've got a lot more flexibility in terms of, of, of how I can mm-hmm. travel and, and go places. So it was kind of yeah. out of respect for that, you know. And mm-hmm. and also, we worked with this guy in Oklahoma, Trent Bell. He's a really good, really quick engineer. And uh, it, it just seemed that we had the resources there. So we would, we would always record down there. Gotcha. And it's so much cheaper, and we have more time to do stuff. And it is a lot cheaper. If we were going to do like yeah. a full-on recording studio here, it would be... It would be so much more expensive. But, and he just had kids. Yeah. So it just didn't make sense to ask. Were, and at that time, they were very, very yeah, children. So you know. I didn't, and I'm gone so much with the flaming lips that I didn't want to leave unless I absolutely had to. So that's mm-hmm. how that that's how the Oklahoma City thing evolved. Gotcha. But, but the idea that we're playing the first show we hear at Brooklyn Bowl makes perfect sense to me. That makes more sense than our first show being in Oklahoma somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but... Yeah. I agree. And what's the wellspring of the song? Like, Who comes up with what? Someone have, I like, want, their... always want to do some musical thing that I'm trying to do, and he wants to do some thematic, lyrical, educational thing, emotional thing that he wants to get across. We find the meeting place for those two things to come together. Yeah, and it's, it's also... Like it's a 
generalization, but that's kind of it, you know. Really. I mean, he's kind of a prolific dude, you know. And so I'm like, what do you got? He's like, I got this nugget that I've been chewing on for yeah. six hours. That those penguins don't want. So well, some of those, yeah. <laughs> Check and, this uh, out. <laughs> okay, toilet bowl was like uh, one of those songs that I had for a while that I would kind of play it every once in a while for the guys in the band. It was always kind of like, that's no. <laughs> and I play it for you. You're like, I know yes. exactly what's going to happen on this one, and then boom. Six hours later, we had a song about defecating. But about, um, yeah. children. But there's also been times poop. where I mean, like, <laughs> like there was there was a song. We have a song on the record about bullying. Where I was like, I want to do a song about me being bullied when I was in first grade. You know, and, that's what that started with your idea. That yeah, and then, the and then Stephen was like, with, yeah. "Well, here's some very wimpy Morrissey chords." That I've got, I've got for you, and, and that. Kind of goes Sometimes both ways, way. yeah. yeah. You said that you you wanted to make a song that expressed those emotions and those feelings, and yeah. So we built the musical part of the song from the idea of the lyrics, and that, yeah. that's kind of a fun way to work too. So, yeah. and actually, I think that's more the way it happens. Where then there was yeah. a time where I was like, "Let's write a song about this crazy octopus," and you were like, "This is like a crazy octopus psychedelic like yeah, octopus yeah. riff," you know? Yeah. That's, that's true. cool. Yeah. yeah. What's yeah. the story about first grade? Oh well. um... I went to school, first grade, first day of school, dressed perfectly, head to toe as Mork from Ork. <laughs> and uh, with suspenders and the you buttons. see what I'm dealing with here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. That's a very tight shirt. Too. Yeah, and I got my ass kicked, you know, like immediately. And I was also the first person on the bus. So I would sit in the best seat, which to me was the back seat on the left facing the back. And... Uh, the second guy I got on the bus was, of course, named Brock, and he was a no, bully. No way. And he he had... That's too perfect. That's not to say all Brocks are bullies. He had every other seat to choose from, including another back seat, but he wanted mine, and the injustice of that still upsets me. And so we would fight, because I would never, like... You know what I mean? Like, I would always kind of stand up for myself-ish, you know, and we would fight. But he would always win, because I was, like, this big, you know? Shazbot. Yeah. You stand up totally, for yourself. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. good, though. But that's yeah. not the point. Of the, the point of the song, um, the point of the song, it's kind of cool hand Luke because he says, I know you think you just knocked me down, but I'm still standing, you mm -hmm. know, and, and I won't let you change who I am. And that's the point of the song because, like, I remember when I was getting bullied a lot, I would, I was starting to get mean to other kids. Uh, right. You know what I mean? And then my dad kind of stepped in and said, you can't let that change, like, legitimately who you are, you know? Yeah. And uh, kind of that's what he said, but that's how I interpret it now. So, yeah, and that's, you know, you, you can't do that. And then in the song we say, we ask the bully, you know, do you know how it feels? Because I think you do. And that's always the case, right? You know, yeah. the bully is often, that's a learned behavior, usually. Yeah, yeah, whether it's their older brother or their dad or another older kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. so true, yeah. Uh, I'm curious about your thoughts, and I, I recently just saw a clip of actually um, Mr. Rogers mm. speaking at a, a Senate hearing. Isn't that great? Yeah, you saw it. So, oh, sure. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, the things he was touching on with that, um, the emotional responses of kids, the things that need to be guided in them, and the things, you know, when he would ask those baiting questions to kids and the things to keep them along and to make sure that they were like... um being able to view and see the emotional response in a situation, not only in themselves, but other people is that, I mean, you worked obviously in that field for so long. I was curious about your thoughts of like 
childhood development and and how the songs connect to it and that specifically if because the song you're talking about sounds like it's important to you that kids learn the same kind of emotional response you do well it's there's a lot there it's a good question i mean first of all fred rogers you know was the boss like he was the avatar of the buddha like there's never been anything like him before since and he was the real deal and blues clues by the way is based on mr rogers neighborhood is that right sort of note for note you know like the reason i wore the same shirt every day is because he did the sweater um the way he talked to the camera was amazing Mm -hmm. and uh he would take an idea in the show and then take it into an imaginative realm with the trolley and we would do like a skidoo to do the same thing like we would we we basically worshipped that show. Sure. Um, and he said something that was really important to me when I was a children's television show host. He said that, uh, and I think this is to your question, uh, anything that comes out of the television in the house is automatically a sanctioned thing and a part of mm. the parents' caregiving. Because mm. the kids look at it like an appliance, like the oven. Anything that comes out of the oven is cool. His mom and dad made it. Anything, mm. anything that comes out of the fridge is fine because it's safe because his mom and dad made that too. And kids sort of see the television in the same way. So I think that puts a tremendous amount of importance on um, on what we're doing. Yeah. Um, now, in terms of this record, I, I kind of didn't focus it that way. Like I wasn't thinking everything's got to be perfect and I have to know exactly what I'm saying and I have to... Make sure everything is 100% correct. But you did, for the most part, do that exact thing. (laughs) It's it's in my bones. It's in my bones. You did that exact thing. You put so much thought in some of those lyrics. It's amazing, I think. But the criteria for us was always, like that song, the song about me being bullied. I could have written that song in a a very different way, but I wrote it in a way that I made sure moved me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that was always the criteria when we were making this record. If we wrote a funny song, it had to make us laugh. Sure. He wrote a sad song and had to make us tear up or whatever, you know. Is it true that, that um, my kids are big fans of Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood? Yeah, Angela made that. Yeah. yeah, from Blues Clues. She's brilliant, yeah. I mean, she invented Blues Clues and she did that. And, uh, yeah, she's real good at what she does. How old are your children? Mine are, they're going to be six. Yeah. Okay. And they they, uh, they would love every song on the Steven Steven record. Then, yeah. we, then they shall be played for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we started on the record. My son was two and my daughter wasn't born yet when we started, actually, oh, wow. which is pretty crazy. And they're 11 and 9 now, so they have grown up on these songs. Oh, that's so great. To them, it's like the Beatles or Led Zeppelin or, <laughs> or, the right. or whatever. It's just part of their musical yeah. library, you know. So. That's a very good um, yeah. list of bands to include us in. I'm, hap- I'm happy with that. <laughs> that's kind of how they, you know. We've had uh, Greg from the Bouncing Souls on, and he has um, uh, he, he and his wife do something for kids called Playdate. Mm-hmm. And they tour around. And it's kind of funny because he talks about now how the audience mm-hmm. has not changed. Except it's their children come with their parents, mm. and that's the only difference between that and like a bouncing soul show. Yeah, do you find yeah. do you find that like have you got me guess have, have you played this out? No, <laughs> we haven't played the show yet. Not yet. Okay, we no. played a couple of the songs for the first time ever today. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Right on. <laughs> that's why we look completely blown out. Right. I mean, now it's because, scary. Uh, you know. I mean, um, it's a little scary. Like because for me, it's a little freaky because I had to summon a part of me that I've not summoned in 20 years, you know, like to <laughs> sort of to do it. Um, and also I think there's kind of like a personal expectation. There's like a little, the stakes are kind of high. It's like, you know, I'm here. I am entertaining for kids again, you know, mm. 
So there's a little personal pressure you put on, but it was a lot of fun. And you know, sounds what, like what, you what set a pretty back? high standard for yourself too. Well, no, I mean, you know, it's like what happened to the Blues Clues guy? Is he dead? No, he's he's alive and he's singing the song. Let's it better be good. <laughs> right. Jen and I saw Christmas on Mars. We went to one of the theaters that we was did. set up Jeez. with speakers. I don't want to talk no. about that. <laughs> I saw you guys tour with Candlebox. Did you oh, really? Wow. Where did you see us? Cleveland State University. Oh my god, that tour was hellish. Had a lot of Christmas lights on your gear, and I thought that was like amazing. Yeah, um, that's where it started with those guys. I think we had to yeah. do something. Yeah, opening for Candlebox was man, that was. What record was that? Uh, Klaus Taste Metallic. No, it was before Klaus Taste Metallic. It was a uh, transmission from the satellite heart. That's such a good record. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was. That was the tour we did right before we worked on Klaus. So it was the uh, fall of '94, fall and winter. Yeah. What was here, the Candlebox crowd? Here, here, here's it? the thing: is the tour before that was Lollapalooza second stage, but it was every day. Nick came in the bad seats, the Boredoms, uh, the Breeders, L Seven, Guided by Voices, the Beastie Boys. I mean, like Not so every bad. fucking great band at that time. Palace Brothers, all the great bands. Wow! And then the next tour was opening for Candlebox, Candlebox. For three, months. <laughs> three months, and we went from like wow, young rock star wanting to be people too like now we're just old and really miserable and we came <laughs> home and my girlfriend now my wife was like wow you aged like five years in the last three months <laughs> yes, yeah they would yeah. play far behind and then they would go into like voodoo child yeah thing. yeah yeah and they go into voodoo child and just met oh did they do the same set every night uh, no, they would mix it up a little bit. Mix it up a bit. But it always ended with the, the last two hit, the, the two big hits were always the last two songs, you know. So, yeah. yeah. I think they still play. Every song sounded the same. It was like, yeah, I, yeah, I was yeah. really into them at that point in my life. Your ears haven't been around that long. Clearly you've grown out of it. Or you wouldn't be shame. doing this right I've now. I've grown out of it. Yeah, yeah. They're shame, bro. Yeah, yeah. They're shame in the box. Dude, you get a gateway. It's good. Yeah. It works. I think Priest Driven Ambulance, that was my, when I was in college. When that was the first one I heard before I joined, before I joined the group. They yeah. brought that record in. I remember we were listening. We were like, this is something. Yeah. It, it blew my mind. And I saw a Candlebox on the reverse tour no. for you guys. Not that which one. Was, yeah. mm, I saw them open for Rush. Oh, my God. the Rush fans were not too stoked about I have a candle hard time well, thinking of a concert no, I'd like to go to less than Candlebox opening for Rush. Yeah, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds like hell. Yeah. Fun. I've seen uh, Rush a few times and it's always like, you know what, I wish I could go see him in 1981, not, not, not 2003, you know. Yeah. I mean, because they could still play, but it's not the same thing. I saw, I saw yeah. him in the 80s and it was, it was great because we were all in high school and it felt like it was just weird because all you know, we were like northern D.C. kids and it was all minor threat and misfits and everything. So yeah, we, yeah. we'd missed that by a few years. But then we all liked Rush. And yeah. someone said, what's, someone wrote somewhere on the interwebs, what's your Rush line in the sand? And I thought that was really funny. Like, what <laughs> What were you never, what's, where do you stop? And I was like, well, okay, was, oh, stop. Don't, before you say it, mm-hmm. let's say it at the same time and okay. see if it <laughs> jives. Okay, 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 okay. I'll give you a one, two, three. Okay. 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 One, one, two. two. Three. Grace under pressure. <laughs> Why was he? Uh, yeah. Here's difference. Okay. Yeah. A couple okay. years. I tried. Yeah. A couple years. That's pretty yeah. good. Grace is not pretty good, you know. And then I, I saw saw him on Power Windows Tour was actually the first time I saw him. That's a good in yeah, Dallas. That's but it was back. already for me, I was seventeen, I was in high school, but it was already Steve. He's falling hey, asleep. Steve. But it was already too like <laughs> it was just too much bad synthesizer stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
Like uh, Fridman song on the Signals tour in Buffalo. I'm like, you son of a bitch. What's that song that's written in a time signature that doesn't exist? It's just 5 8. I went back to the 30 year anniversary tour with some friends. We kind of bonded at work over Rush and we went back and it was terrible. Yeah, yeah. And because right in the middle, Getty said the worst thing I've ever heard a singer <laughs> say. He went, we'd like to play some cover songs with your permission. And without blinking, my friends and I went, you don't have it. You don't have it <laughs> yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah. Like we retract everything we've done. But it was a Radio City Music Hall. Yeah. And instead of a, a stack of bass amps, he had a washer and dryer. Why? That pissed me off. I saw that. Tour and somebody that. periodically would come out and take... The Take clothes, clothes out. out of the dryer. It, or, that didn't yeah. bother me so much. I kind of backed that a little bit. <laughs> that's so dumb. I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the best things we've ever heard about that band. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's rough. Yeah. That, that, it was my uh, first concert, guys. Rush? What year? Not that one. It was the Roll the Bones tour. Oh, uh, were they rapped? Was that, was that with Primus? <sighs> uh, no, Mr. <laughs> going to hell quickly. <laughs> Mr. Big. Mr. Big opened We've talked about Big, Rush for dude. too long. Yeah, too I, long. I, they were a band that formed my whole DNA, but I don't want to talk about Rush anymore. <laughs> Stephen and I don't disagree that often about music. We actually have a lot of yeah. musical affiliation, but, but that's man, something we don't agree on. ELO and Rush, leave me yeah. out. You have a Rush hard line. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> and then moving you. pictures when I was in sixth grade, it just it changed my life, man. This is all there is to it. So. And you, I remember uh, when I worked at Alternative Press, I got a solo record that you had done that you guys had helped collaborate on. Is that yeah, well, well it was his record. I just helped, record, I helped yes. him on some songs. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And yeah. had you guys kind of stayed in touch this whole time? Well, that's how it yeah. started, yeah. Yeah, okay. that's how we met. Yeah. We met when I... I knew a guy who knew a guy who knew Dave Fridman, who produced Flaming Lips, who produced the Soft Bolton, which was the record that his first record was in a Priest Spirit Ambulance. So that was Dave Fridman's first record. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the big change, you know, with the group. Um, that record kind of rewired my brain. You know, Soft Bolton. Yeah, I lost I lost my my shit when I heard that record. Uh, it's one one of my not because you're here, but one of my top ten favorite records. It is, it is my favorite that, record. Yeah. It is my favorite record, and. Uh, uh, and so I was just, I was like screwing around with Pro Tools at the time. And I was, I was as big a fan of Dave Fridman as I was of Stephen Jones. He was Coyne. in Mercury Rev too. Mercury. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. just like, yeah, whoever made this sound this way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Fridman's like, he's just in his own league. He just exists alone by himself, you know. So, so I, I shot him a four song CD or whatever. And he's oh, wow. confessed that he only listened to it because he thought it was going to be so awful. <laughs> Were you still <laughs> doing the show at the time? Or this is post? I had just, I think I was still maybe on it a little bit. I don't even you know. Were, you were in the process of leaving yeah. at that time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly at that time. And he's like, so what do you want to do? You want to work on a couple of these songs? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, Stephen Droz is up here working on a new record. Do you want maybe, maybe you could put like some string parts or drums on or whatever? And I was like, I was already in my car at that point. Like, did you try to play it cool? Like, yeah, maybe it might be cool. I did, but I wasn't cool at all. I was like, we hit it off pretty quick. And we just became fast friends, literally. Like, you know. We just really got along from the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing you didn't talk about Rush at the beginning. No, I think we more bonded. Actually, I remember, okay, here, here's the thing. And he won't remember this, but I remember like it was yesterday. <laughs> you mean the phone We call? had a phone call <laughs> from about a week before you I came. Remember, I remember the whole thing. And we just started spitballing. Here's a group I like. Do you like this group? We agreed on Journey, but we did not agree on Yes. We did not agree. <laughs> but we agreed on the we, Unforgettable Fire. We That was our favorite U2 record. We agreed on that. And we, so had, a fa like we had the weird. same favorite song on that record. Yeah, which is Elvis weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember all that, dude. Come on. All right, don't front. <laughs> That's quality. Oh, okay. yeah, it was, so it was like, uh, but yeah, what was air supply? We like, we like both kind of like air supply. Yeah. Who yeah, was like, split which way on yes? I don't like yes. I'm, I'm like yes. Frog. Enthusiast. You know, no yes, no rush. All right, I'm seeing a theme. Uh, 
if gun to my head, die. You're missing out. <laughs> You're missing out, dude. You're missing out. I appreciate, sunrise, I mean, I appreciate missing out. what they, I appreciate their powers, but I think they use their powers for evil. <laughs> Tom Sawyer's badass song. The riff is like, it, that's a badass It's one of my least favorite ones. So. I know. And, and every yeah, Rush fan yeah. feels the same yeah. because Rush fans like Rush. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like no one at the bridge off Caress of Steel. I go deep, man. Caress of Steel is great. Best Steel Day. It's a great record. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. This the, I know you've talked about this. About, wait, hold on. What oh, about I'm Yes sorry. though? Where do you where do you go with Yes? Oh, I'm pro Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm up to never, like never listen to him really. Uh, like, okay, I, those I, layering I epic volo, uh, vocal solos and yeah, these, okay. these crazy things—they're fun, man. Sure, it's just yeah. epic and fun. Yeah, it's epic. I'll give you that. I, just, I don't <laughs> think it's I, I fun. Think but... Tales from Topographic Oceans, like that, gave them just a bad. Like, okay, this band is just so full of shit. That was the over the top. Yeah. That's that was that's what did it. That if was they had made that record. It probably they, they probably wouldn't be perceived in the way they're perceived because of that record. I think their covers are kind of cool. Jump the shark. <laughs> they definitely jumped the shark. Yeah, <laughs> but that was my first concert ever. Was them on the nine hundred one two five tour. In 1984. Oh, nice. And I think the band Berlin were supposed to open up. But wow. Berlin canceled, so they showed Warner bum, Brothers bum, cartoons bum, for like an hour. Bum. And That's then Yes came do. out. That... With this fucking laser show that was like, they opened with changes off 90125. That song. Was that in Texas or Oklahoma? It was in Houston, Texas. Yeah, yeah I was in ninth grade. It just, that was it. You gotta be was, careful with Warner Brothers cartoons, though. I just got a whole bunch for my kids and got them out of the children's section of the library. And I knew to look because. I made this mistake. It said not for children. Yeah, some of them are like blatantly racist, strange, blatantly oh, racist, yeah. blatantly uh, racist. And I went to the librarian and I said, "You know, this is in the kids section." They went, "Yeah, it's Bugs Bunny." I went, eh, "Fine print, pointing." Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, we had no idea." Because I have all of the. Yeah, it's got a Japanese guy that's depicted as a yeah. Japanese. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty bad. bad. The uncensored Tom and Jerry too. Oh, yeah. the, I love all the uncensored Tom and Jerry. Yeah, they're it's like crazy. Man, Heckle and Jekyll is pretty bad too. Well yeah. well, yeah, I think yeah. it started out as bad. I yeah. love Heckle and Jekyll. What do these guys symbolize? <laughs> That's why I'm so racist, because I watched Heckle and Jekyll as a kid. That's what happened. Damn. <laughs> so, wait, so you had a death hoax, Steve, right, for a long time? I think time. I still do, dude. Oh, it's still going? I think so, yeah. I, first off, I was impressed by having one pre-social media. It's yeah. impressive. Well, no, it's not unprecedented. There's Mikey with the Pop Rocks. There's... No, I said impressive, not oh, unprecedented. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. But it was cool that you did that. But one thing I found interesting when you were saying it was how after a certain amount of time, you, you found it to be like there was like a cultural preference. It seems Where that like way. people... I feel that like, way. <laughs> the narrative was written so long that you you really think like it, people... It seems, seems like people that? would prefer it. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, like why... It it does start to feel a little bit like, um, you know, actually, Steve Burns is alive. No, he's not. No, he must be dead. <laughs> I mean, and, and I, I don't know. I'm just going to start saying that it's true. Because it is true, guys. That could be <laughs> We're all dead. I love there it. There are alternate facts, you know, so. Yeah. No, That's true. Yeah. You can- so it's you and McCartney and... <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Paul McCartney is a good one. He's yeah. been dead since 66. It's crazy, I know. Yeah. But really? no one the believes Avril Lavigne one. And it's also partially... What's the Avril Lavigne one? I never one? knew the Avril Lavigne one. 
Wait, she's she married the guy from Nickelback. From Nickelback, yeah, that's not. <laughs> that's what we know. That it's not. No, that's like, the same. It's <laughs> close. There's a thing that's that it's not her. If you look at all these photos. Oh right, that's really? Yeah. Oh, okay, I don't know. Yeah, yeah you can. Look but she up. was manufactured anyway. I, I think mean, she's Oliver most definitely Stone a, a documentary about the Avril Lavigne one. I left a children's television show and just dropped off the face of the earth. And I mean, I think that had a lot to do with it. And I was not really interested in in being a public figure at all after I left that show. So I think it was just kind of like a, you know, and so, um, but I mean, but the rumors were there while I was on the show. So really? Yeah. Were you getting a lot of interview requests and whatnot directly after the show about it? About like, being dead, about yeah, the like where no. people like, can you speak on your death? No, <laughs> no. I mean, I did go on the Rosie O'Donnell show once uh, at Nickelodeon's request. Oh, really? Just because kids were like upset. Kids oh, were no like, shit. oh, I already died, and I was like, still here. Oh, just no. don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> what were you sort of doing after the show? Ended? Were you just working mostly on music stuff, just lying low? I was festering. Yeah, festering and moldering. Were you living out here then? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I've always been a voiceover guy, we, you know, um, f- since even while I was on Blues Clues. That was always my career, you know, like Blues Clues in a way was the anomaly. And that's what I've always been doing for the last 20 years. You know, it's always been my gig. You know? what are some Can you spots? give us an example of something? They say you're not supposed to do that. So, uh, know, but just for I, us. I, yeah. I, I love voiceovers and yeah. I think it's like... When, Probably, I think it's the hardest thing to break into. Oh, to break into, yeah, yeah. Sure. And my my younger brother is um, is learning disabled, mm. and he loves animation. He's mm-hmm. like, I don't be thirty five, but all he watches are cartoons, and he memorizes everybody's names. Yeah, who does all the voices? Do you? Well, do- I don't. I don't do cartoon okay, stuff. I was gonna. Ask. Yeah, I'm much more of like a commercial guy. Mm-hmm. Like, if you hear someone who sounds like the Blues Clues guy trying to sell you like insurance or a car or something, it's probably me. Fair enough. Yeah. Steven, you just heard Vanessa and Despicable Me too. Yes, That's yeah, I had no idea that Vanessa was one in. line. It's so far into the movie, I haven't made it that far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, it's not as good as the first one, but it's still okay. Yeah, it's yeah. okay. Just don't do Minions, man. Don't. Oh, high five on that one, man. Oh lord, it's so bad. Oh. I luckily previewed that before my children got to see it, and they were like, "Can we I watch it?" I was like, I, "My son work was like, on the noob. iTunes." Sorry, my son was like, "I'm getting too old for this crap." When does their so I have a one year old? When does their attention span pick up to the point that they can actually watch a full movie with you? A full movie? Well, it depends. <laughs> it depends on you, not your child. Yeah, you got. I feel like I don't know if I have that attention span anymore. <laughs> it's pretty hard. Yeah. Show show them Tommy the Who movie when they're four and see what mm-hmm. happens after that. That's okay. Good. Our gothic, if you're gonna do Ken Russell, there's a lot Kur- of different Kurosawa. Things. Yeah, a little Kurosawa right now. Yeah. Start him off on that. Hidden Ron. Fortress. Okay. That way when they watch Star Wars, they know it's bullshit. Right. They know it's bullshit. Yeah. These are great tips, fellas. It's all allegory. <laughs> uh, you know what? This, the thing, the children's programming, the thing that, that was the gateway for my kids was Yo Gabba Gabba. Mm. Oh, yeah. The, my, yeah. My kids love that as well. Yeah. To the point where we like paid to do the meet and greet with <laughs> one time I met DJ we did Lance. Too. Yeah, DJ whole... Lance, yeah. What's funny about him is he's actually he's best old friends with my brother-in-law. Totally random. That is weird. He grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. My wife's sister, they're from Tulsa, but my wife's sister moved to St. Louis in the early 90s, married a guy who's best friends with DJ Lance. They were like punk rockers in the 80s together. Holy crap. 
Because he used to work just, at Amoeba in L.A., I think. I yeah, yeah. I he's, he's, a, he's, a great, he's a great guy. Yeah. He's a sweetheart. Um, yeah, they finally kicked things open. You know what I mean? In the 90s, there was this whole initiative to make children's television so considered and educational and focused. And, and Blue's Clues was part of that. You know, and uh, I was always a proponent on Blue's Clues for like, can we be cool too? Like, there's no reason why we can't be cool, but um, it, it was very taboo to be cool on kids' TV. It was a, it was about honoring the children's attention span and talk only to what they can understand and all those things. Hmm. And Yoga Guy was like, no, let's, yeah. let's yeah. do this. You know, it was a giant boombox. And it cool totally yeah. MGMT. You know, yeah, we already have we already have these costumes from our shows. Let's <laughs> right. go ahead yeah. and, and do this. Well, I remember as growing up as. Uh, um, I'm not too much older than you, but you know, remember for cool, even Sesame Street, you knew you liked, but Electric Company, like was that, cool. was that was cool. It. Yeah, yeah. Electric know? Company was super cool, super yeah. cool, and yeah, funny. It, was, it still yeah. is actually. Yeah. I wholeheartedly I still agree. Space Rock Rock. That somehow that's that a very Electric Company from Electric Company somehow in the back mm-hmm. of my brain. I stole well, that from Electric good. Company. Yeah. I was showing my kids. I found an old copy of Free to Be You and Me because I have the the audio of it and they kept listening to it in the car and so i found it doesn't exist old marlo thomas um thing and some of the dancers from electric company are in that and my kids love to dance they're like who's that girl who's that girl and i was like well oddly enough they're on this show what is this yeah you know? and it kind of helps you're a out. cool dad man no, you're a cool dad no i like the aesthetic on electric company too the early yes. kind of blue screen stuff and the early kind of weird atari graphic kind yes. of stuff really neat yeah how they play and that's how that's where i learned about spider-man Oh boy, a really bad Spider-Man though. I even knew then that like that's not a cool enough Spider-Man. Mm. Spider-Man should be cooler than Spidey this Man. Yeah, he was kind of wimpy and <laughs> nobody knows who he is. Yeah. Nobody, nobody knows, knows who you are. Yep. There you go. Yeah. My my kids came home singing the Spider-Man theme song from school and it was something like uh I can't remember but it was something about being good readers. Cause that, and their singer, their teachers were singing to them, so it was like, "Great readers, we are reading, doing the whole thing." And I'll, how'd you guys learn the? I don't need to explain this; it's not going to help you at all. <laughs> go with it, Just in the slightest. It. You yeah. got it. I back it totally. How do you guys play the situation currently? I know you're both politically oriented to the point that you're interested in tweet about it and things like that. I have to stop. I I seem like a yeah. Jackass. I don't. I don't know that we want to. Get him going. No, no. It's something that's, it's honestly, it's been. He's just going to. It's been something that's interesting to me because I, you know, so I heard some people recently talk a little smack about Lady Gaga for saying nothing at the Super Bowl performance. She said, she sang a Woody Guthrie song. And I'm like, I'm like, exactly. You sang a Woody Guthrie song. You also performed in this way in the, the most giant stage. And it seemed like an effective message to me. The one I, thing, I got a message from her, yeah. The, yeah, one, sure. the, the one thing I thought about was how, like, are you converting Lady Gaga fans? Lady Gaga fans are already people who would probably side with somebody who's anti-Trump. I get the same impression for somebody who's a Flaming Lips fan. Normally would be somebody who's already on that team. And I wonder sometimes, and I, I suffer from the same thing. I go into Twitter wormholes all the time i see some information i wake up and i read it and it sets me on this thing that i don't want to be on and this this voice i have on twitter i feel like can do something but even though i feel like i'm maybe screaming into a vacuum a little bit like do you think that by doing it we're actually like doing anything that's a great question 
I guess for me personally, I keep trying to find some way that I can express my frustration and rage and everything and have it be unique to me. So it's entertaining, but also letting you know what's going on. I haven't found that yet. I just yeah. come across like a blowhard, I think. So it's kind of a tough... Like I read Patton Oswalt's tweets about Trump and they make me laugh and I completely agree with them. Right. I don't know if it's giving any more information as to what's going on. And I try to read as much National Review as I do, you know, New York Times or Washington Post or whatever, just to see what other people are thinking. But um, I feel like I'm just frustrated because I, whatever I say is it doesn't, I don't think it's making a difference because I think 99% of the people that read my tweets are people that already feel that, that way anyways. So, yeah. Um, or if anything, I lose a couple of fans because like, oh, there's the douchebag musician artist that wants to pontificate about politics. It's like, okay, so artists and musicians shouldn't do that? Or, well, I but mean, you're, if, you, yeah. you're uh, you know, whatever your occupation is, you're free to, you know, to spout your, you know what I mean? It's yeah, just yeah. a weird, like, That's we're a, not allowed to do that. And It's kind of a double standard that went out the window, too, when we hired a reality Develop like a, a, a reality yeah, star, real estate mogul like, as well, our president. The, guy, the president. Is I think the everybody can talk now. You know, like uh -huh. a, an artist, a musician. I mean, we literally had Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor of largest state in the country. And ran yeah, like the, the idea ground. that you can't say something about politics it's, is it's, it's absurd. It, it's enraging it's totally in my opinion. So remember I that Reagan guy? I think up. he did some art. Didn't he do art before? I've kind <laughs> yeah, of given exactly. up. The fact that people think he's a man of the people for the coal miners of West Virginia, it's like, he does not. Well, it's just silly, yeah. Insane. The the thing I'm starting to think, though, and I think we've both potentially fallen victim to it, is I think it's intentionally, the discourse has intentionally gone to Twitter. He does it on purpose. Yeah. He does it so people like you and I, who maybe actually could make some real to anybody here could actually make some real impact in different ways i think he wants the conversation there where you are screaming into a vacuum yeah. but you're actually interacting with other people other people are seeing what you're saying so it feels like you're actually doing something and i think he wants people to feel like they're actually doing something while doing not that much and i also think, think he has devalued everything nothing has value Right. Words don't have value. Facts don't have value. Information or perceptions of things don't have value. The only thing that has value is what he says at any given moment. Right. His followers. It's just. It's really hard with, with kids. Um, and it's interesting going back to your story about bullying. I have, my kids have cousins who have a little trouble in school. <clears throat> when the election happened, one of them was crying was like, am I going to get bullied more? because mm. this guy is and a lot of teachers mm -hmm. at conferences have talked about how and it's the most embarrassing statement in i think my life how do you explain to a child that just because the president is a bully <laughs> mm. doesn't mean that it's okay to be a bully D yeah which it's is still not cool <clears throat> yeah you know what i mean my therapist has actually forbidden me he's like you have to stay off twitter and facebook it's it's hurting yeah. you and it's hard Three of the most important people in my life have told me to stop doing it on twitter <clears throat> You have my wife and Wayne from the Flaming Lips have all told me stop doing that. Yeah, like, you were you were <clears throat> a jerk. Well, you were just you were just going dark. You were you were going. But that's down. what I was saying before. I'm frustrated because I don't know how to. What's you know what's my angle on this thing? You know, yeah. Pat Oswald's kind of funny. Mm. You know, different people do different things. You know, uh, I know there's um yeah I know a guy who's been doing some really funny things with. He's been 
he started trolling uh, Richard Spencer guy who I didn't know mm-hmm. yeah, who yeah. or what he was and shouldn't care anyway. Yeah. But um, he would just say things like, I hope you get stuck in a long line at the grocery store. Yeah. And just kept things like that. And he was like, <laughs> it's a little thing. It's innocuous. It makes me feel better. And dude responded, he was like, you're kind of a low-level troll. And I think he responded, you're kind of a low-level human or something like that. You know, just a little kind of, but just dumb little things like that. The the Twitter idea of ringing the doorbell and running. Some about it. I just, can't. See, that's the problem. And that's where Twitter is a horrible place. Is yeah. If I did that in a Richard Spencer thread with the last name Horowitz, see what the fuck happens on oh, Twitter. Oh, this is, well, this is, this For is, real. this is a Rosenberg. It's some nasty shit, man. This, yeah. Like... Well, I, I was opened up to the Twitter world on a Hillary Clinton thread, and some guy, she wrote, like, Happy Ramadan on it. Some guy posted a picture of, like, a ton of pork and wrote, yeah, have a happy Ramadan. And I just write to this guy, classy. That's all I wrote. That's all you wrote. <clears throat> all classy. I wrote. Yeah. Floodgates. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, within 15 minutes, I was called a kike. I was told to go back to Israel. Like, what the fuck? Do I it's, know about Israel anyway? Like, or have anything to do with it? And all this shit. You didn't shit. do your birthright? Dude, it's no, a bummer. Come dude. on, baby. Barely went to college. I don't know about <laughs> stuff, man. Um, not to mention my family was well in America before Israel was even a thought. So, like, I, I don't even know what to say to this stuff. But, like... Don't give the egg avatar but, their but no, due, man. No, but that's man. the problem with Twitter. Those people scared me out of talking. Not because I'm scared of these actual people. Because I don't want to fucking hear that from somebody I don't know. Hmm. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't want to be opened up to something like that, even though I do want to use my voice. Dude, that, that's what happens when, when comment boards become mainstream. You know what oh, I mean? God, yeah. I saw a guy comment <clears throat> about Obama saying that Obama played the race card the first day he wouldn't release his birth, uh, birth certificate. I was just like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, see, that's where you gotta not oh, pay attention. My blood pressure just went yeah. to the roof. But it's, that, just, it's just everybody's drunk uncle learned how to type with their thumbs, and that's the <laughs> yeah. hard thing to yeah. shake off. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was, <clears throat> I, I I grew up with, um, you know, like I spent a lot of time in the Midwest. My dad was in the military, so like I grew up with like lieutenant colonel in the army, NRA. The proudest PBS supporter you'd ever meet in your life. My dad carrying his tote bag from the local place, donated everything. And it's like, well, that's the kind of person that, that that's where you go. Your arguments are valid. You have to separate it from the crazy. Um, I had a question for Stephen Burns. Um, Thank you, Jonah. Let's switch gears, man. No rush and no more Trump. Just move on. What, uh... What is it like, sort of, obviously you guys have collaborated a long time, you're really close friends, but what's it like being in a band with someone who has made your favorite record? I mean, that to me must be surreal. Was it hard to get used to? Was it natural? Uh, <laughs> Caress him. It's, it's interesting because um, it's, it's a little daunting sometimes because, you know, when we were recording the kids record, like, I can't keep up, you know? It's like I just—I I literally can't keep up. It's like okay, we're gonna do this huge David Bowie meets. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll say those things. Like it's got to be like Ben Hur and David Bowie, but with <laughs> the Wizard of Oz backing vocals. Like, oh, what is that and Stephen's like halfway done <laughs> with that an hour and a half later, and I've got three lines written. You know what I mean? So the, the, it is—he is an extraordinary guy. Like I think other musicians would certainly back that up. Like it's—it's it's a rare. He's a rare bird, so it's hard to work with sometimes. But it's like it's so fun. I mean, like this is the guy who's written all my favorite music, and I of all the things Stephen does, 
I love it when he plays the drums. Like, I just, that, that's the one. That's what gets me. Because he just looks so weird when he does it. Because he's got, yeah. Like, he's just got this, like, really intense thing, you know. And, and the drum sounds on the softball, and they're kind of what blew my mind oh, first. And then to see, like, the actual keyboard that made the cool string sound and all like that. That's cool. Um, but the way we work together on the kids thing is, like, I don't touch any instruments. You know what I mean? Like, we don't have time for me to do except for the omni chord right like yeah. we, we just the way we work there's i probably in theory could play one or two of the parts that happened maybe but it would take two days for me to do it mm. you know yeah. so he just plays everything so it's just kind of like watching a movie i think we figured out quickly <laughs> that if i do that and don't worry about exactly what you're going to write lyrically and you don't worry exactly about about exactly what I'm going to do musically. Then you can excel at what you not what at what you do, and I can try to quickly create the foundation for it. And they just kind of they kind, in, of, they kind of help each other along. You know? Yeah, and but in, when we did my solo record, which I think only my mother bought, you know, um, <laughs> that was different because I was coming to Stephen with songs oh. and all these tracks that I had done at home, right? right. And that was in a way. Like, as a fanboy, like, that was even cooler. Because Steven would be like, well, no, I thought we keep that. No, I like that part. And I'd be like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so you okay. got to be full on frontman mode when you guys play out? Sort of. He I mean, he's the frontman, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean. But with guitar drag, behind the guitar? drag me into the shenanigans, but I'm mostly just playing music. So. Yeah, I would rather, I mean, to the, you know, like, I would... I would my ideal thing is that we were both kind of singing mm-hmm. like front men, you know, kind of thing. But I think it's cool for kids though to see one guy who's kind of a conventional uh, ringleader, and then this other dude who is surrounded by instruments that he can play every single one. Yeah, of. we're gonna try to make that part of the thing that yeah. I'm playing this instrument on this song, and you know, yeah. So. Yeah. Are there any um, visual ideas? I mean, it seems from the video and the, lots, there's a lot of aesthetic. Lots of so. visuals. No, not yeah. really, not anymore. So <laughs> we're just going to... Uh, there are. I mean, like, we, we're going to try to see what works. But, you know... Um, no laundry machines going <laughs> no, in and out? No, we're not. That. that still pisses me but, off. But, you know, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> they did that. Like, why? <laughs> I, think, I think if we had two months to really work up a show, I think right. we could... We could I think we've got some really strong ideas for yeah. for a multimedia thing, but I don't know that this will be the show where we have the time to really implement them. But we'll see what works, and we're going to try some stuff. cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to try some cool stuff. Is it is it anyone else you hired guns with you, or you just run around playing everything? Well, I have a lot of the music is just uh, tracks from the original recordings, and I just mm-hmm. play on top of them. Okay, yeah. So it's just me playing music. And him singing, and I back him up with the vocals on on certain songs, and we're still figuring it out. We have till one o'clock on Sunday to figure out this show. So. Yeah, I mean, there's there's ideas like you know, I wanted to do some live chroma key stuff. You know what I mean? And because I've never seen that in a kid show before, and mm. it's also the world I come from. You know, I, I can't. You know, we'll there'll probably be sock puppetry or something. You know what I mean? Like gotta do something yeah what do you, you think know? the audience will be like do you have any ideas or is it kind of it's a good parents, question parents and kids yeah you know um we do we deliberately didn't aim this album at any age group so we don't really know what we'll see but i just imagine who's putting kids. it out we are just straight up yeah good for you yeah. like tangible or just out there and physical copy physical yeah. copy yeah. we can buy a physical copy 
Yeah. I would I would urge you to to buy a physical copy. That would be great. <laughs> no, we had uh, I, I get everything. I shouldn't get into it. But we had like six labels turn <laughs> us down for either it wasn't kid centric enough or it was not. You know, we just had. We heard every excuse for not wanting to put the But they were all interested. You know, they yeah. were all like, this is something interesting. What is it? You know, so there's always like this little flurry. And those of, people can all go to hell now. Ooh, yeah. You know. <laughs> They're all scared to market something they don't know how to market. Yeah, but they were all like, this is different. What is happening? Exactly. Yeah. It's just do like. Do we need to have this? I can't Brain tell. overload. We're already being encouraged because uh, the Unicorn and Princess Rainbow song was what, number three on. It's Kid, serious, yeah. Good zone, serious nice. station. So it's great. Went from like 13 to 3 in a couple of weeks. So whatever that means, it's something. It's encouraging. Dude, kids so. go for that stuff. Yeah. You can like, in D.C., you can go visit and talk to the DJ, you know, where they, where the serious, where they play all that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And oh, really? I know a parent who just did that. She just emailed and it's like, hey, my kids want to come by. They love your show. And that's where all this stuff gets played, you know. Mm-hmm. The, you know, even... You know, I guess the biggest story about kids stuff is they might be giants, you know, when they made that switch years and years ago. <clears throat> that's how most of my friends' kids got into music was through that. And they do a good job. Yeah. Is, yeah, that's great. It's super mm-hmm. cool. I'm a big fan, actually. Yeah, like, so I'm a really big fan. And, Are you guys uh, planning on doing a lot more touring or waiting to see what happens? I think we're going to, okay, we'll do this show on uh, on Sunday. And if it goes well, we have a Oklahoma City show that people want us to play. And we'll do that if this goes well on Sunday. I mean, I think we'd both like to, but I don't yeah. know what the... Uh, I, I mean, know. the lips this year are just crazy yeah. busy. I mean, so. half of my band is in a real band. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, mm. He's going to be busy. Yeah, like, I, we play Sunday. I fly home that night to Oklahoma City and then fly back here on Wednesday. So. Well, then you're just going to have to open for yourself. I mean, that's really what we're trying to get across. <laughs> well, that's what the Giants do. Which yeah. I think is really smart. Like when that they're playing fun. a festival gig, the, oh, their sound do? check is basically their kid show. Oh, uh, no way. Which is very, it's a good idea. That's it's smart. actually really smart. Mm-hmm. So, Steve, do you just continue, you know, when when he goes on tour and you guys aren't actively working, Are you? do you continue to work on music independently? No. Not you know, really? I mean, it hasn't really been like that. I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm a musician as much as I'm anything else. You know, I'm, I'm always noodling around. Sure. Like I've, I've always got music that I write, you know, but... Uh, I don't. I don't have like a hard drive full of kids' songs, but uh, I do have a bunch of ideas. So, and I know you do too. Like we have a couple of ideas. Yeah, actually, we're yeah, on. Yeah. We have a Christmas song we want to try to do this next year. So, mm-hmm. Very cool. I could see us doing a whole other EP if the interest is there. So, yeah. There's a character on the record uh, where we just did a piece of radio theater because I've always wanted to do that with like Foley effects and stuff. And uh, Rick the Giant, yeah, and, and like it's 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 as though he and I are in the recording studio. We're trying to write a song, and we're trying to play the drums and make them sound ginormous, but it just sounds like crap. Yeah. And then there's a knock on the door. It's like, hey guys, how are you doing? You know, and it's like, and he's like, oh, it's Rick the Giant from next, next door. door yeah. Cool, you know. And Rick the Giant comes over and destroys the drum set or whatever. He offers to play drums with us. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, you That's play so the drums? Cool. That's cool. But it was really fun to do. We did it just like you know, we just kind of the did drums a go takes. from like. Nothing to pull on distortion, <laughs> reverb trail, God, slow nerve action drums. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but we we're very fond of Rick the Giant, uh, just from making it. And I, we just thought it'd be hilarious to do like a David Bowie, Bing Crosby kind of holiday album you know? with Rick the Giant. <laughs> Rick, Rick, with the Rick the Giant. Giant. Yeah. I love that. You do the I ginormous drummer boy. And just, you know, is Rick the Giant the uh, inspiration for you? 
playing that that tiny little drum set in the video? That's me playing the tiny little drum that's set. That's him, you yeah. in, the, in the tiny kit? Yeah. That's, uh, him, that's him working that out for the show on Sunday. Oh, yeah, okay. I was kind of thinking that we'd do that with just like a couple of dolls, and I would come in, hey, guys. Yeah. No, no. That'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> so there's going to be a visual element to the show. So. But we'll see if any of that works. We don't know if any of that's going to work. Hopefully it will. I think file under shenanigans yeah. is what I would say. Yeah, Shenanigans That'd be and giant record, shenanigans. Yeah. Record name, the next next record. Ah, dude, shenanigans. File under shenanigans. Li- li- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Live at shenanigans. No. File under shenanigans. All right. Oh, good. I want to point out that uh, four Stevens in this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. It wow. Was, yeah, it was Steve Burns, yes. Steve Drozd. Steven Smith and Steve Grawalski at Pulse Music, who engineered this sesh. Right. Who keeps keeps quiet. He keeps quiet, although keep listening, in. and you may hear Steven Grawalski <laughs> chime in a little more in the future. <laughs> I can sometimes tell the future. You can? Yeah. <laughs> I can. But uh, yeah, definitely. So check out those Sam Am shows in June. June 9th in Garward, New Jersey. June 10th in Crichton, PA. That one's free. Check them out in Europe. In July, and if you want to support this podcast, uh, please uh, visit goingofftrack.com. You can donate or you can donate via Venmo at Off Track. That'll send the money straight to Brad's account. I don't know why. Thank you. I don't know why he set it up that way, <laughs> but I don't know another way to set it up. Uh, <laughs> and Brad is a very trustworthy guy. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm buying lotto tickets. Um, One of them will pay off, man. Yeah. I, uh, I'll save the story for another one. I was going to tell an embarrassing <laughs> dating story from, from oh, really? last night. Yeah, and I know t- you love hearing that. Got to tell it at the beginning, man. I'll tell it at the beginning. Next, next week. Tune in next week for a very embarrassing dating story by me. Uh, in the meantime, yeah, if you can't afford to donate, that's cool. Leave us a review on iTunes. Tweet at us at Going Off Track. Tell your friends about the podcast. We're back with another great one next week. Thanks to Pulse Music. Thanks to Steven Steven. Thanks to our publicist, Maggie, for setting it up. And we'll be back next week. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.